Hello, and welcome to the August 4th edition of the Evolution Medicine Podcast. I am Joe Alcock, and today we'll talk about Amish asthma. So this week, uh, there was a study uh, by Stein and colleagues. It was published in the New England Journal of Medicine. Uh, got some press in the New York Times yesterday, which is how I became aware of it. And this work uh, took advantage of uh, an epidemiologic phenomenon, one that uh, we already knew something about, and that is that people that live on farms tend to not have much in the way of asthma or allergy uh, or autoimmune problems. And uh, these, these workers, um, Stein and colleagues, they studied the Amish. And the Amish in particular have very, very low levels of uh, asthma and allergy symptoms in general. And they are uh, traditional uh, dairy farmers. And what these uh, workers did was they compared a couple groups. Um, the Amish, uh, who are originally from what is now Germany, uh, and another group, uh, the Hutterites, uh, from a very similar region in Europe. And it turns out these two groups of people living in the United States today, uh, they're very genetically similar. And they actually showed this in this uh, study that the genetic similarity between these two groups in terms of the humans... Uh, the Amish kid, they say Amish kids and Hutterite kids, that uh, they were genetically very similar. But the main difference between uh, the two groups, uh, the Hutterites and the Amish, is their exposure to farm animals. They're both farmers, uh, but the Amish, uh, they have, of course, they don't, they don't use machines uh, uh, typically. Um, they live essentially a, um, gosh, a 19th century sort of lifestyle. Uh, and they live in close proximity to dairy farms. Uh, and they have single-family dairy farms. They live uh, close to their animals. Uh, they milk uh, cows. And they uh, have a fair amount of uh, you know, exposure to antigens from different microbes on farm animals. By comparison, the Hutterites, they farm on communal, uh, highly industrialized farms. So this is, they would drive to work, presumably. Um, and go to a farm that is a little bit distant from their, their home. Uh, so this difference in terms of uh, exposure to farm animals and uh, sort of proximity um, of the domicile to uh, the barn, that might be enough. Uh, it was speculated to protect Amish children from allergies. Uh, and in fact, when this was looked at, about uh, 1 in 20 Amish kids get asthma. Well, about one in five Hutterite children have asthma, so a pretty big difference. We're looking at, you know, a, a um, 5% versus a 20% rate uh, higher in the Hutterites than the, than the Amish kids. So that part was already known. So what do you suppose is the agent that is responsible for this? Various people have speculated that the uh, sort of the causative agent that uh, can protect one from allergies is in fact microbes and microbial antigens. Uh, so the idea is that microbes that are in cattle and cow poop uh, play a big role in this. So the idea would be that the Amish farming lifestyle makes them uh, far more exposed to microbes uh, from farm animals and uh, antigens that come from those microbes. So in this respect, the Amish are kind of like a previously studied group, and there was work published in the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology in 2006 showing uh, big differences uh, in Europe. Uh, and what the group, two groups that were studied were kind of like uh, 
this current New England Journal study in that they looked at genetically similar people living in Karelia, which is a region of Russia, and right adjacent to that is Finland. Uh, and Finland is a little bit more industrialized, uh, a little bit less of a sort of a traditional ag agrarian farming lifestyle. Uh, and they found that the Karelians, who, like the Amish, live in very close proximity to uh, farms and farm animals, they have a very, very low risk of allergy compared to the genetically similar Finns. And in fact, you know, the kids from Karelia and Finland showed a big difference in how they were sort of sensitized to a wide variety of antigens, things like uh, you know, dog, horse, and cow, uh, and then foods like wheat, cow's milk, peanuts. So perhaps, and this is kind of an exciting thing, not only might exposure to farm animal microbes and antigens protect you from uh, things like asthma, which is a big, big problem, uh, but maybe also food allergies, perhaps. And so this previous work um, was in line with those results. So this study uh, showed results that were similar to this now a decade old work, um, and the associations aren't exactly new. So what is different about this study that gets it published in the New England Journal? And I think that uh, it was a, they did a pretty sophisticated um, uh, sort of immunological piece to this work. And they showed that the Amish kids, they develop their immune systems differently than the Hutterites. Uh, they have more neutrophil activity. These are innate immune cells that fight bacterial infections. They have fewer eosinophils. These are immune cells responsible for type 1 hypersensitivity, the ones that uh, we think um, play a role in asthma and atopy, which is a condition of generalized hypersensitivity. And then finally, the other other important piece of this study that that, that really kind of clinched it um, was they they had a, they had an intervention that they tested in mice. And they took dust from the Amish families' homes that were loaded with microbes and endotoxin, which is a part of the building block of gram-negative bacteria that presumably originally came from you know farm animal poop. And they showed that th this dust, when squirted in the nose of experimental mice, uh, protected those mice uh, from uh, having uh, HOP and uh, allergic hypersensitivity reactions in the lung. Uh, and they also showed the immune pathways that were responsible for this. So pretty nice, neat study, uh, really driving home the idea that, uh, that this immune development is quite different in genetically identical uh, people, the Hutterites and, and Amish, uh, with resulting in a pretty dramatic change in phenotype. That is, uh, again, the Amish kids were far more allergic. So there's a figure uh, that I'm going to include on, on the website, of course, that shows differences in, in gene expression from circulating immune cells between the Hutterites and the Amish. It's called a volcano plot. <clears throat> and I'm not going to, well, I'm not sure if I, if I even can understand the details, but uh, the, the plot shows quite distinct patterns of gene expression between these immune cells that are circulating in the Hutterites and the Amish. So not only are the kinds of cells different, but the genes they express are different. And this uh, brings me to kind of a previous point of some earlier posts and podcasts, and that is the idea that uh, what we're seeing here is that in, in, in response to sort of an environmental signal, and that is the, either the presence or absence of, of, of microbes that one sees uh, in, in association with farm animals, that your immune system develops quite differently. And so I think you could certainly speculate, and I would, that these differences may in fact uh, be adaptive for the host in some way, or at least they, they reflected some adaptive machinery of uh, immune education. So the idea being that depending on the signals that you get early in life, and maybe in utero, even before being born, uh, that's going to have a big impact on how your immune system develops. Maybe those changes are in fact good for you in some way, or at least they were good for you in a historic environment 
the environment of evolutionary adaptedness. So the, the typical sort of human environment in the past. So if you get one signal and not another one, then your immune system develops a certain way that allows you to better meet the challenges uh, associated with those pathogens. What's kind of remarkable here is that these, these changes are, I mean, they're certainly they last, they're durable. They last throughout childhood, perhaps into adulthood. They have these long lasting effects. Um, so the idea that these early life exposures can have such powerful effects is quite remarkable. Um, and I would propose that uh, this is a human reaction norm, uh, a norm of reaction in terms of the development of the immune system. And that perhaps either uh, being protected from allergy gives you some immune benefits in fighting off certain kinds of pathogens, and maybe even this allergic phenotype gives you some other sorts of benefits that uh, we have yet to elucidate. This basic idea that the absence of microbes might be helpful, um, this is an evolutionary concept uh, which is similar to what's been called the hygiene hypothesis. And the hygiene hypothesis uses evolutionary principles, including gene environment mismatch. So the idea that we are, our current environment is mismatched to the environment that our genes have evolved to expect. Uh, so that idea um, has been pitched to explain why it is that autoimmune diseases like ATP and allergy occur when microbes and pathogens are absent. And there has been uh, you know, a fair amount, this is again, these are not new ideas. Uh, essentially, um, the, some of the concepts here date back to uh, the late 90s, uh, early 2000s. Um, a previous study uh, published in the New England Journal that showed a dramatic drop-off of uh, autoimmune kinds of... Um, I'm sorry, dramatic drop-off of infectious diseases were linked or associated with a dramatic increase in autoimmune diseases like, say, multiple sclerosis or asthma. So... At least the early idea was, gosh, maybe some exposure to infection is good for you. Whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. In this instance, you know, not having things like measles or mumps early in life, um, maybe that uh, changes your immune system in a way which you know, your immune system goes haywire because some inputs that have always been there are absent. So that's kind of the original version of the hygiene hypothesis. Another term that has been used to describe this is uh, the old friends hypothesis. The idea that we, our immune system evolved uh, with certain microbes uh, that were typically around, and these were old friends. Uh, and their absence makes our immune system kind of go haywire. So again, that's, that's the uh, hygiene hypothesis. Um, the proximate cause of uh, you know, allergy and hypersensitivity has to do with um, you know, release of histamine, leukotrienes, prostaglandins, uh, causing vasodilation and smooth muscle contraction. Uh, these are associated um, in people with asthma, with airways that are constricted, difficulty breathing. Uh, and just in my last shift, we had a patient who came in who looked like she was near death, near respiratory collapse because of this. So we're not going to, you know, we're not going to argue that this type one hypersensitivity is good for you or adaptive or beneficial, but somehow maybe the machinery that leads to that outcome uh, was adaptive either in the past or maybe in some other kinds of contexts and, and goes, goes wrong or awry now. Um, so that's basically the idea of the hygiene hypothesis. And the old friends hypothesis uh, argues that big changes in lifestyle when we've gone from sort of Stone Age people to uh, small groups... Um, uh, going, uh, living in sort of small groups, living a hunter-gatherer kind of lifestyle uh, where there were lots of microorganisms um, that 
are associated with disease. Um, and we see this in current hunter-gatherer groups. So they have tremendous microbiome uh, diversity as well as tremendous infectious exposure. Now, the first transition involved uh, agriculture, so animal husbandry, uh, having domestication of dogs and cats, um, people still living in uh, rural environments, but in higher groups of humans. And that's going to require a different kind of immune system. So perhaps perhaps some of the, what we're seeing in these this farming group um, is adaptive for those humans that have evolved to live in a, in a farming kind of uh, uh, society. Perhaps that's the case. But either way, um, our current lifestyle, where we're depleted of these microbes, uh, the idea is that, according to Rook, um, as uh, work published uh, just a few, few years ago, uh, he has argued that uh, the reason why our modern lifestyle, where we live in cities, we have concrete, we use antimicrobial detergents, we take antibiotics, we have less animal contact, uh, uh, our children are dewormed, uh, that we have fewer of these microorganisms and fewer old friends, and so therefore our immune system develops in the wrong way. So one thing that uh, is kind of notable, I think, about this um, Stein paper is that uh, they really focused on you know exposure to antigens and microbes uh, and airway exposure. So when people, when the mice were given the dust and inhaled them into their airways, uh, that had a big impact on educating the immune system in a way that either led to allergy um, protection uh, or didn't in some of the uh, genetically modified mice. Um, so that is interesting to me because there are a lot of other work, uh, some done in humans, that really suggests that the oral and gut microbiota has a big impact in protection from allergy. And there's uh, work done by Hesselmar and colleagues in 2013 uh, that I think I did a really nice job of showing this. They looked at uh, parents um, who either cleaned their the pacifier given to their infants in, in one or two different ways. Some of the parents took the pacifier after it fall, fell on the floor, uh, washed it off, uh, put it in the dishwasher, and essentially sterilized it before giving it back to their children. Other parents uh, picked up the pacifier off the floor, put it in their own mouths, kind of did a quote-unquote cleaning um, treatment in that way, and then gave the pacifier to their children. And so what this pacifier study showed was that uh, parents who uh, cleaned the pacifier by putting the pacifier in their own mouths, thereby transferring oral microbes to their babies. The babies, uh, those babies had far less asthma and eczema. So this is not a nasal kind of thing. This is the oral. Um, and I think that it, it remains to be seen which of these exposures is most important. But clearly that's not just dust and it's not just inhalation. That uh, sort of oral inoculation, gut microbes, kind of the whole package, uh, the constellation of different microbial exposures seems to be important. But I, I love this Hesselmar paper showing that, uh, again, parents who, uh, the lazy man's method of cleaning the pacifier by sticking it in their own mouth, actually protect their kids uh, from allergy. And they showed, in fact, that um, that uh, protection uh, had a nice interaction with um, how the, the mode of birth, so how babies were born. Babies born by C-section um, had, and, and if their parent then sterilized the pacifier uh, by putting it in the, in the dishwasher before giving back to their kids, that C-section increased the risk of allergy and atopy, as did um, sterilization of the pacifier. Parents who uh, gave birth to babies by uh, normal vaginal birth, uh, who then had a less hygienic way of sterilizing, who <laughs> didn't sterilize the pacifier at all, uh, and put it in their own mouths, those kids had the fewest amounts of uh, eczema. Um, and they showed there was differences in microbiome. So 
lots of different exposures. Uh, I think the lesson here is that um, our bodies have evolved to uh, take advantage of signals in the environment to shape the trajectory of immune system development. Um, my speculation is that uh, both uh, the protection from allergy is probably adaptive in that those kids don't get allergic symptoms, but some of the machinery that even predisposes to allergy may in some ways be adaptive in meeting certain kinds of infectious challenges. Uh, we haven't sorted that out totally. Uh, there's more to this hygiene hypothesis uh, than I've covered in this kind of brief thing, but I wanted to, I wanted to touch on this just because uh, this paper has been getting some, um, I think rightly so, a lot of attention. It's in the New England Journal, uh, written up in the New York Times. I'll have links to both those things on the website. Um, and there's, there's more to this. But this idea that microbes influence the development of the immune system, this is, an, this is a one of the best examples, I think, of evolutionary medicine, uh, and one of the ones that probably has um, some of the more practical kinds of uh, implications for, for modern life. Uh, with that, uh, enjoy your week, and we'll uh, catch up with you next time.